0: Hey everybody, welcome back to Worked Up, Ackerman's Employment Law Podcast. This is Matt Steinberg. Uh, We've had a bunch of different companies on this podcast. Um, We're joined today by one of my favorites because it's one of my best lunch spots across you from my office, but also a a company that's really scaling all over New York and Chicago, probably all over the country, uh, Dos Toros. Um, Alita Maxwell is their chief human resources officer. Thanks for joining us.
1: Thanks so much for having me. Um, it is an
0: awesome, awesome restaurant.
1: Oh, thanks. We think so.
0: I got three tacos.
1: <laughs> three tacos. Three tacos, yeah. That is a meal right there. <laughs>
0: it's enough. It's <laughs> enough. Um, tell everyone a little bit about yourself, your own background, how you got to Dos Toros.
1: Yeah, so um, I started in the restaurant industry at 15. I worked my way up to a general manager, um, and I was part of Le Pen Quotidien back when they had six locations in New York. Uh, took a break from operations when I had my son about 12 years ago. Went into the business side of things, wanted to get a little bit more um, settled in HR and finance, did some stints in nonprofits, um, was looking to get back in the restaurant industry, and ran smack into Leo and Oliver as they were looking for somebody to help them kind of organize and structure, Dos Toros um, as they had three locations at the time.
0: Okay, who are Leo and Oliver? Remind Leo me. and
1: Oliver Kramer are the owners of Dos Toros. They're the two brothers and the two bulls, Dos Toros. How did your experience
0: as a server prepare you for a business role in the hospitality
1: industry? I think it just gave me um, a little bit more empathy of what's happening on the operation side of things, how you can have policies, but if you're not thinking about how they influence or... Um, balance out with what's actually happening on the floor, Um, it it just gives me a little bit more empathy, I think.
0: And what was it like then transitioning to the the board side, so to speak, at a hospitality company?
1: It was hard, because in operations, it's all about the work that you're doing, the physical work, whereas on the finance and HR side, it's a little bit more, um, how are you thinking, strategizing, planning? So it's a different mentality and mindset. I felt at first like I wasn't accomplishing a lot, or my day wasn't filled with actual work, Um, but it was just a different type of style of work that I had to wrap my head around.
0: Well, one of the reasons I wanted to have you on is we try to have people from, you know, we've had guests from all different walks of life, but particularly from the private sector. I like to talk to people when their companies are at this real inflection point. And so Dos Toros, all, I know in New York, all of a sudden you start seeing a lot of them. Like it's like kind of like the beginning of this like exciting scaling process. And so we'll talk a lot about what that means from an HR standpoint. But speaking just broadly, tell us a little bit about the brand and what you see as the exciting aspects of a company as it's scaling?
1: Yeah, so the brand is just about having fun and serving great food. I think Leo and Oliver, when they looked at the landscape in New York, they couldn't find a place that they can get burritos like they grew up with in the Bay Area. So they really wanted to bring that to New York um, at the beginning just for themselves and their friends and family. And they just started seeing that more and more people responded really favorably to it. Um, so then they started really thinking about how do we build out this company and what is our focus? And And for them, it was always about doing the right thing for our staff first, and then obviously for the guests. So that genuine warmth when you walk into our restaurant, we want you to feel like we want you there because we do. Um, and so how do we build policies and build a restaurant around those kind of ideas and concepts. And that's what's been really fun, um, being able to kind of break the mold in the hospitality industry. It's been, I think, very much a guest first mentality. We're an employee first mentality. We believe that that's the root cause of great guest service, a cleaner environment, and higher quality food. That if it's, our focus is on making sure every, empo- every employee feels seen, heard, and appreciated, and that they're given the tools that they need to succeed, at the end of the day, the guests will have a better experience, um, and the food will be a higher quality.
0: I think that's so true in so many different businesses. I mean, it's, it's maybe more obvious in hospitality, or at least it should be, that your connections to your customer all come through your employees. But the same is true in any context. I mean, I think about it here. Um, you know, one of our star associates, Ray, is here in the room. And I know that my clients speak to him probably more than they speak to me. And their experience with my firm hinges on their interactions. Hinges is too strong. I don't want them to get too too <laughs> confident. but Or it's important for them to to feel as if they can relate to the people that they're interacting with right there. Um how have you... First of all, what number of employee were you at those stores? You were pretty early on, right?
1: 76, I believe. Wow.
0: And how many employees are there right now?
1: We have just under 700. Wow. Yeah.
0: So how has... Let me take a step back. In terms of the culture generally of employee first, it's probably easier to accomplish that when you have 100 employees than when you have 200 versus 300 versus 400. That's my experience with my clients. Yep. How have you guys kind of navigated that balance of make, making sure... Because listen, everyone's driven to some degree, by profits margins. That's the reality of of our society, good or bad. But how do you keep those employee-first concepts fresh as you've scaled?
1: Well, I think we're about looking at the root cause. So the symptoms of uh, great employee culture is lower turnover, is better guest satisfaction reports. Um, And so that's where we're constantly looking is what is the root cause of these problems. So Leo and Oliver are actually the first owners I've ever worked for that were not driven by the bottom line. They believe the bottom line is a reflection of what you do every day. So they're more focused on every single guest experience. Um, every checklist that we do is, does it have exactly what's needed and no more, and no less every, um, way that we set up our lines is our mise en place correct. Meaning does everything have a place and is it correctly in place for our team to pull at the right Time. We look at all of the little details, and we believe that when we focus on those details, the bottom line will tell the right story. Um, they do not sit there and try to make decisions ba- based off the bottom line at all, which has been really refreshing, especially in this industry.
0: Right, and I can tell you, and I'm not saying that just because you're sitting here, whenever I go there, the staff seems happy, the employees seem happy. It's always like a good vibe, and it does Yay. add to the experience, without a doubt. 53rd Street, 52nd Street, 52nd sorry. Street, 52nd 52nd yeah. Street. Shout out to them. Um, do you guys get employee feedback?
1: Yeah, so we do uh, surveys. We do employee engagement surveys, and these are via text. So pretty much once a quarter, we send out these text surveys so our employees can tell us how satisfied they are, what do they think we need to do to improve. Um, are they anonymous? or is that a- They are anonymous, okay. and okay. that way we can get as brutal and blunt feedback as possible. Uh, we also focus on engaging our staff at all times. So Dos Toros University was a training platform that we built out um, to do a couple different things. First, to make sure that we have the training materials available for our Toros so that everybody knew what the expectation was and it was very, very clear. so that we can recognize our Toros as we continue to grow. So this is a place that people- Our Toros,
0: that's how you refer to employees as your that, Toros? Yep, our oh, Toros. that's cool. Yeah. I don't know that. okay.
1: So our Toros also upload pictures and videos, um, catching each other doing something great, whether it was um, dicing tomatoes the right way or cutting steak the appropriate way or celebrating a birthday or a baby shower or a certification. And so it's a way that we can engage with each other. But they also can email all of us. I mean, my email address is in every single restaurant, as is the owners. The owners post to DTU on a regular basis explaining why some of our policies are the way they are, or why some of our laws on the line are the way they are, and what the focus or the purpose is. And we also open up those comments to the entire team. So teams can, or individuals can email back one of the owners and say, I don't understand this policy. Can you explain a little bit more? I don't understand why we didn't do this one thing. Can you explain that more? So we're all about engaging and getting that um, honest feedback.
0: And do you find that you're getting it at scale, like that, that your Toros, I'll, I'll get used to this, mm-hmm. so that I was going to, keep going to say your employees, that your Toros are responding, that you're getting sufficiently varied responses from different stores, different markets? I'm
1: sure we can do better. Because companies sure that- struggle with that. Yeah. I know
0: clients tell me all the time, they, they, they crave it and it's hard to get.
1: Yeah, I think that we can always – we're always looking to improve. I think that we're definitely not perfect at all. Um, But what I hear from people is that they are comfortable speaking up if they think something's not going correctly or if they want to improve. So some of our um, best changes have come out from our Toros. So one of the big things was um, how we steam our tortillas for tacos. So previously we used to put the cheese on the taco, put it in our steamer, and steam it. Um, Yeah, that's how I get it. Yeah, well – actually you don't get change, it a little don't, differently. Don't so change that. What we did when we did that what it would happen is that the tacos would fly all around cheese would get everywhere it would be kind of like a mess when you open up the steamer. So one of our Toros was actually wa- working alongside one of the owners one day on the line and said hey Oliver I, I do this differently come look. And so he steams the tortilla first then puts the cheese on and steams it again so that the weight of the tortilla is kind of held down by that extra steam and so it's not a cheesy goopy mess when you open up the steamer. And that Oliver thought was genius. So that became the new way that we do tacos in the steamer. And so those kind of little um, improvements are what we're always looking for, which is one of the reasons that Oliver is on the line three times a week at least. Um, well, when, that, when
0: you say on the I know what you mean, but just for the listeners, because I think that's an important HR point also. What do you mean by on the line? So
1: he's serving guests. He's rolling burritos, uh, steaming tortillas, interacting with our team and guests alike.
0: Right and and in a, in a as I understand in a sustainable way, it's not like I'm going to show up one day, take some pictures, and then never come back. That's something that gets no, he done gets a little regularly. cranky
1: if he is not on the line at least three times a week. He really itches to um, connect with our team as well as guests. That's great. You mentioned earlier that it's important that you guys have fun, and
0: I think a lot of companies say that, but from my experience and people can Google, you guys have a lot of fun on social media and on YouTube and it's always a balance of how do you have fun as a company? Because I agree completely that the companies that allow their employees to have some fun are more likely to have employees that are invested in the brand and less likely to leave. But as an employment lawyer, it always scares me when a company has too much fun <laughs> because then all of a sudden you get getting close to that line of, Oh, so we're going to be in trouble. So how do you guys walk that line? And how do you make those decisions between having like a super fun video-based social media campaign with your employees without worrying that it's going to lead to having to call your employment lawyer.
1: Yeah, I think we do take some risk. I think that we're always trying to be good-natured, and our intent is to never um, insult anybody, and so we're very conscientious of that. We do a lot of um, in-office polling um, where we'll just take random I- um, ideas and ask the team, what do you think of this? Does this straddle the line a little bit too much? Um, On what kind of thing? Like on
0: advertising or on Instagram? Sure, on
1: an Instagram post that we're going to do or on a um, video that we might be shooting for some campaign. We're always trying to be um, cutting edge but not insult people because that's definitely not our intentions. So I definitely think that we take some risk, but um, intention-wise, I think we're always looking to just have a good time and make sure people feel included and part of the joke.
0: Do you find yourself being more risk averse as you've gotten bigger and you're a bigger name or have you been able to keep that culture well
1: i am i'm hr so i am i'm always a person that's saying no um marketing will always um hate me for that and and there's some healthy tension there i think but um at the end of the day the owners are pretty clear that they they want to take some risk but again as long as we're not insulting and our intentions are always um positive
0: do you think as you continue to scale, it'll be harder to take those risks, or are you guys committed to keeping that vibe?
1: I think that the owners are pretty committed to keeping that vibe. Um, again, I'm always <laughs> cautioning for let's be a little bit more safer, but um, yeah, so far so good.
0: Well, see, I think there's, I mean, and the data shows us there's quantifiable upside to employee satisfaction, right? Like we talked al- already about how it can help relationships with your customers, but just the cost of hiring, retaining, training, if you can keep people having fun and that makes it even slightly less likely that they'll leave, there's some quantifiable benefit that at least can can be compared against the legal risk, I guess.
1: For sure. And I think it's important when we talk about fun to be really, really clear. So at Dos Toros, we're not saying that our employees should come in in their pajamas and have a party every day. Um, I think what we provide for our employees is really, really clear expectations on what it looks like to win at your job, because I think everybody wants to do that. Um, what growth looks like and how you become um, a little bit more senior in Dos Toros or how you get more certifications, or you can make more money. What does that path look like? And being super clear. um, And then rewarding them or appreciating them for a job well done. That is also fun at work. Um, So it's not just about, you know, playing, it's about um, just being super clear and authentic with our team.
0: You guys play good music at the restaurants. We
1: do. Leo Kramer, one of the owners um, and a former Third Eye Blind uh, bassist, is. Oh, is that right? Yep. Leo is a Third Eye Blind bassist. Oh God, that's not in my outline. Yeah. Yeah. yeah right, take, he was. Let's
0: rewind. Is that is that right? <laughs>
1: that that is okay. very much right. Um, and he is in charge of all of our playlists. So he spends some time cultivating um, the DT playlist.
0: And is there ever any risk around songs or language? We did it the right way um,
1: in terms of liability for the songs. um, Yeah, I'm sure there's definitely some songs on there that language could be a little bit iffy. Um, Again, I think what guests and employees alike want is authenticity. Mm -hmm. Um, So we're not sitting there doing the... um, the radio version of songs, and, and I think the majority of our guests appreciate that. We're also conscientious to not play, you know, those types of songs during lunch. Um, instead, we play those songs at dinner, or on the weekends, knowing that our the guests that are joining us are probably a little bit more open to that.
0: Yeah, music can be a challenge. I mean, we've spoken offline a bunch that we're both big hip-hop fans, and yeah. so I've loved hip-hop my whole life, and now with three kids, every once in a while, I hear the lyrics, and I f- hear myself singing along with them. And I look back and I see my six-year-old is kind of singing along also. And it's not its not always great. But to speak to authenticity, that's the music I like. And I haven't matured yet to the point where I know how to put on anything else. So I think your customers, speaking as one customer who's a hip-hop fan, I do appreciate when there's good, lively music. But it's a its a fine line. And it's I think companies sometimes are too nervous based on the climate today to even go near that line. And that's an example of you play
1: good music and that may be just fine. Yeah, and most of our guests are um, kind of in line with you and I, that that's the kind of music that they listen to outside of our restaurant as well. Um, but we're also very mindful of not making the music overwhelming. So the volume is very mm-hmm. critical to us. Um, typically, you're not in those toros for too long. You're in there to get a quick burrito and run. Um, so it's not like you're sitting there for two hours having you know, a loud rap song playing as you're trying to have an intimate conversation. Yeah. Tell me more about
0: Dos Toros University, DTU, because that's another example of something that it seems like you guys have done pretty thoughtfully and intentionally.
1: Yeah, so back when um, in 20, at the end of 2014, we were looking at how can we um, continue to scale but keep this connection between Leo and Oliver, specifically, and our employees. At the time, we only had three locations. So Leo and Oliver, as well as myself, and the third Toro, Tyler Loman, was always in every restaurant every day. So we had that connection point. And when you would ask our staff members why do you work for Dos Toros, they would always say, well, I love Leo and Oliver. So how can we keep that going as we continue to grow? And DTU is one of the answers to that. Um, Again, we wanted something that was not just training, but a communication platform. So Leo and Oliver can communicate directly with Toros whenever they wanted to and vice versa, a way that we can recognize each other. So when I walk into a restaurant, I can see, yeah, last week I saw the poster – or the picture uploaded about your birthday. Happy birthday. How was that? Um, so we can keep those um, authentic, real moments between us as humans, not just about work. Um, and so that's how we stumbled upon Dos Toros University, which is um, actually performed by Wisetail. That's a platform platform provider. Um And they were able to tick off all of those boxes for us that allowed us to kind of continue to scale, continue to focus on our culture, but be really, really clear with everybody on exactly how we wanted our entrees to be built and um, cooked.
0: Is everything available via mobile so people can see stuff on their phone?
1: Yeah, we have every that's restaurant important has also. yeah every restaurant has uh, two plat or two tablets that they each have. That's just for DTU, um, and then you can also look up everything on your cell phone. But we have it locked, so all training material is locked for um, IP addresses for uh, liability purposes. So we make sure that everybody's clocked in when they're being trained. But you can at home look through the boat pictures or look through. Um, Different pictures that have been uploaded, or watch the video from the guys talking about why they started Dos Toros and what the history of Dos Toros is. So the culture stuff they can kind of see from anywhere, but the training is locked down to each IP address.
0: Let's talk a little bit about law now, without focusing on on you guys specifically, but in terms of the industry, what do you think some of the biggest legal risks um, face the hospitality industry? as it continues to iterate, right, it's not all fine dining. It's a lot of companies kind of like you, which isn't necessarily, or certainly isn't fast food, but isn't... No, quick service has
1: exploded lately.
0: Right. So I I, I certainly see it in New York. I'm sure people see it all over the country. You know, there's this delivery model that's kind of exploding. And then there's also this, it's like a higher end uh, in-person where you're not sitting at a table, but you're not getting like a a burger. Yeah. Um, What are some of the legal risks that let's say, keep you up at night?
1: Well, there's a predictable scheduling that was rolled out a couple years ago. We are not um, dealing with that just yet. We only have 21 locations, so it can be 22. Um, you start dealing with that once you hit 30 locations, so we're definitely starting to wrap our heads around that. Um,
0: and that just generally is the, uh, the concept that, that employees need to know when they're going to work and have specific hours so they can plan accordingly like, yes
1: okay. um, I think where it becomes a little um, tricky is in the hospitality industry you might be scheduled for a 10 to 3 shift but you know all hell breaks loose and the food orders didn't come in on time and you got hit with a late lunch and I really need you to stay until four now now as an employer you're penalized for that you pay mm-hmm. a penalty for all of those things and so it's a little restrictive um, from a restaurant point of view but we are definitely wrapping our heads around that to do you think ready? that's
0: going to be a trend across the country I kind of do
1: Oh, for sure. I mean, wherever California and New York goes, tends to go the rest of the country. Right, right.
0: So I I, I agree, scheduling is going to become... excuse me an issue uh what else
1: well harassment it's something that we um have tackled for the last couple of years in our industry Mm -hmm. and we will continue to tackle i think that's constantly going to be something that we have to wrap our heads around just training people what is harassment how do you tell somebody no thank you in an environment where you're working really really closely with them at all times um how do you kind of raise the alarm when they haven't responded very well to your no thank you and what do you do in that Situation.
0: Yeah. Now, it might not come up as much in, in in your context, but I've read a lot and we've had some cases involving harassment by third parties. And you've seen that most frequently, I think, in hospitality, whether it's at a, a waitress at a nightclub or a waitstaff at a restaurant. Um, have you encountered any of that in? In your restaurants, not with specificity, but is that an issue that you worry about and
1: more broadly? Knock on wood, no. Um, It's something I definitely dealt with um, way too much back when I was serving and I was a general manager because I was in full service, Mm -hmm. and that was something that we had to grapple with on a daily basis. Um, But. We're lucky in the way that um, our guests only interact with our Toros for a couple seconds each. Um, And there's definitely a divider between our guests and our Toros. So I think our Toros are a little bit um, safer than the average server.
0: Do you think that that's an issue for hospitality generally? An issue of like customers? Yeah,
1: Yeah. as long as you have um, somebody's wages being um, held kind of for ransom and how they are treating the person that might be harassing, that is always going to be an issue. Yeah. How do you solve for that? Um, Well, there's been a lot of work done by a couple different organizations to kind of take away the tip wage credit. And uh, Danny Myers and the Union Square Hospitality Group did a lot of um, initiatives of taking away tipping so that when you walk into their restaurant, you know what your meal is going to cost you and the server knows what they're going to make that shift regardless of what they put up with.
0: And do you think that as a consequence will help curb harassment at scale? Do you think that would help curb the issue of Ways that being harassed by customers?
1: Oh, for sure. If I didn't have to think, of, so if I just look back at my past, I remember I was a server at a restaurant and I had to serve a very rowdy group of individuals um, throughout the night because it was a Monday night football event. And so, um, as the night wore on, they became more and more drunk you and yeah. got. I mean, it, they got very physical, and I had to make that decision: Am I going to get my manager involved because my manager might kick them out and then no tip for me? But I just served them for three hours of my life and I need to make rent. And a lot of times, the majority of times I didn't say anything. The majority of times I just sucked it up and dealt with it because I needed that tip. And so when you're put in that position, I mean, if you need to make rent, you're not going to probably raise a stink about it.
0: How can employers better demonstrate to their wait staff that they have their back and that that's acceptable?
1: I think being on the floor and seeing this behavior and just being around it is important. But um, I have found that a lot of people in management don't know how to deal with difficult situations really well. And so they avoid conflict. And so if I have a rowdy group of individuals in the bar, I'm going to go do some admin work, or I'm going to go help over here in the area that it's not rowdy, and they'll get me if there's a problem. Um yeah, dealing with confrontation seems to be an area that nobody really wants to go and, to.
0: And, and people have to learn how to do it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, there's been a lot
0: written. I think you and I talk, have talked about this, that there's a lot of people out there like you who, I think you said that was your first, Was that, did you say that was your, your first job? One of my first yeah, jobs, Yeah, one, one of your first jobs, right, where you start your career in this situation where you're almost trained to put up with this kind of crap. And then fast forward, whether it's subconsciously or otherwise, You're in the professional workforce 15 years later, but you already have this mindset of, like, I have to take it, I have to take it. And that that's what's led, not what's led to, but that's been one of the reasons why you're seeing so many harassment cases now, because there's this huge cohort of people that were. And I feel like that's a cycle we have to try to break, because I do think that that's going to be a lot of people's first jobs for a long time. I'm glad people are talking about that. And I
1: hope so, because I think I learned so much from um, being a server. I think time management skills and how to be efficient and how to um, deal with stress and how to deal with negative comments thrown at me, but still trying to be professional. I loved my first jobs in the service industry. But um, I think if you have tipping involved, then you're going to have some um, area in which this is allowed.
0: Outside of hospitality, just as someone in your position and someone who, and I, kn- I knew we were going to talk about this, that experienced harassment in your own right, what could employers writ large, you think, do better to try to avoid this? That we've all learned, I've known as an employment lawyer, and you've experienced, it's a problem. Now people, at least, are waking up to realizing that's a problem. What what could employers writ large do better?
1: I think it's more about developing their managers, um, not just on the typical sexual harassment training, which I think is helpful, but in the moment role playing, how do you deal with this? What do you say to a guest that's maybe crossing in a line? How do you deal with them without throwing them out? There should be a lot of gray area that you can wiggle through. Um, but there seems to be only black and white, either we're going to accept it or we're going to throw them out. Um, and then training the servers. How do you bring this to um, your manager's attention?
0: Another thing that you guys do really well um, as a company that I think it's a great benefit to society, but I also, also for purpose of this podcast, I think it says a lot to your employees, um, you're involved in your communities and you've taken on a lot of you know, very specific causes. Um, so talk a little bit about the decision-making generally about being involved in the community and then talk about what you guys have done, which is awesome.
1: Yeah. So when I joined in 2012, Leo and Oliver were already, um, very active in different partnerships. So they had had a partnership with, uh, the no hunger campaign or the, uh, food bank of New York. Um, so where every October we would donate proceeds on a given day to New York food banks to make sure that people in New York didn't go hungry and and being a, a proactive part of that. Um, And so they were always very specific that they wanted to be part of the community in a positive way and be part of the solutions to some of these issues that we're dealing with. Mm -hmm. Um, So GOSO is is a partnership of ours that we love, getting out and staying out. They work with um, clients that have been in the criminal justice system in New York um, and are wanting to have a second chance. Um, So they take a very holistic approach. It's not just about finding work. It's about um, getting some training on how to deal with frustrations in the workplace or how do you um, set yourself up so that mentally you're in the right place to go to work um, and deal with some of these work issues. Um, They make sure that the guys are um, fully trained up in how to interview. Um, They line up their clients with some of their employers where their clients this is what they want to do full time or they want to get into it Um, and then they have an internship where they pay for six weeks of employment with us as we train up the guys and see if they're going to be a great fit with us Um, we've had about 30 to 40 employees from goso over the years um, and we think that they do such amazing work for the community as a whole
0: Have there been some real success stories out of that 30 to 40 where people have come on board and then stayed and then been promoted? Yeah, we have a
1: couple managers from Goso um, that have been with us for a couple of years. And and they've been really open with their stories, which is awesome. Um, They've been willing to speak with different press at different events and just with different Toros that have come in that have struggled. um, They're able to share their story and say, I know where you're coming from. I know the struggle out there is real. Here's how I was able to kind of focus on bettering myself myself uh through my performance at work
0: did you get any pushback from other employees other Toros about you know the general and we've covered this on this podcast the general stereotypes of you know everyone there's always going to be recidivism and if somebody was in jail once they're going to be a troublemaker here they're going to steal whatever it is have you dealt with that and how did you confront it
1: no not really I mean at first we had a couple of general managers that were kind of like oh what are we doing here um I just use my personal experience back um, when I was a general manager. I, I utilized a lot of different groups that worked with those that had been previously incarcerated. And I had some great, successful employees come from these places. So um, once we talked through it, um, they were able to see that everybody deserves a second chance. I think in the restaurant industry, we're different from a lot of different industries that we have people that come in that um, – might not have a perfect resume or might not have amazing experience in um, office jobs. We tend to attract um, a wider range of individuals in our industry, um, which I think is what makes it fun. You have a very diverse group of people that are drawn to this crazy, um, chaotic lifestyle that is the restaurant industry. So I think generally the restaurant industry is typically a little bit more open.
0: And you can, on the back end, demonstrate that people have come on board, worked for you, and, and done well, and that I think it's the private sector and companies like you engaging in these kind of initiatives that'll help dispel stereotypes because people will see that this is an important, you know, constituency that.
1: I really hope so. I mean, I've talked to so many um, clients from Goso and some of these guys, you know, they were locked up when they were 16. Um, They didn't have a lot of mentors to look up to, they ended up falling into the wrong group of individuals, but they were just looking for a place to fit in and to feel taken care of. Um, They ended up making one or two really horrible decisions. Um, And that's it. They've been locked away for four or five years. um, And now they're just looking to try to do something with their life. So to say no to this group of individuals, especially when unemployment is so very low, we're all looking for uh, great personable individuals to work for our our companies. Um, To not utilize this as a a great applicant pool is just crazy to me.
0: What else do you guys do in the community?
1: Yeah, so we're um, huge fans and partners with the New York City uh, Food Bank as well as the Chicago Food Depository. We just signed two new partnerships in Chicago, which we're really excited about, My Block, My Hood, My City and Chicago Children's Choir. Um, So any way that we can make a a positive impact and give back um, and be part of that process is, is really exciting to us.
0: And this is your 10-year anniversary, right? It is. Okay, we turned so 10 this month. let's talk a little bit about that. Almost a teenager. So the teenage years are the hard I ones, know. Though, we here. can't
1: believe it's been 10 years. So yeah, October 30th is our 10-year anniversary, So, um, which is really um, interesting because this is National Guacamole Day this month as well. So it's the month of guac, or guac it out, as we like to say. Guac it out. Um, yeah. So best it's, video out there. We think so. Um, yeah, so it's really exciting to be turning 10. We can't believe that we have 21, seem to be 22 locations. Definitely did not foresee this uh, when they started the the first location in Union Square.
0: Where do you think you'll go next, if you can say?
1: Ooh, we have our eyes set on um, some places in New Jersey, uh, Long Island, possibly Philly, possibly D.C. Yeah, we're excited for the future. Excellent,
0: excellent. Now, I can't let you go without talking a little hoops. Yes. So we're, we're recording this on uh, Wednesday, the morning after the debut of the nba
1: season now you're a big lakers fan yes correct what do you think i'm excited for this year i'm super excited i'm also you're worried uh, about the clippers though yes very i mean it, which is interesting because i lived in la for five years and we used to just trash on the clippers so the fact that it might be clippers versus lakers is really interesting I mean, yes, how do you
0: like living in new york compared to la
1: it's very different i love new york i love the energy um i love the how everything's at your fingertips new york you get to everything quickly uh la there's a lot of driving involved a lot of traffic involved so yeah
0: well back to hoops are you worried at all about the, my knicks no not at all. no no <laughs> 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 uh, with that said alita thank you very much for being on the podcast and hopefully you'll come back soon and in, in the meantime everyone will enjoy delicious tacos and guacamole and know all the work that goes behind keeping that culture so thank, thank you very you much thank
1: you so much for having me today